When I read the books of wisdom like the Psalms and the Proverbs, I often have in my mind that the Psalms speak to me about my relationship with God and making God first and how I put God above everything else and how I should love my Lord before I love myself. And then the Proverbs speak to me about how to love my neighbour as myself, how to have a relationship so that with myself so that I can, with an open heart, love the other person beside me. The psalmist today identifies as God's servant, someone who is humble and lowly, one who serves God but knows that the relationship can only exist by the grace of God because when we read the psalm, it tells us that God knows all the things that the psalmist has done and yet still loves him. The suffering that is described here is viewed as the suffering derived because of their relationship with God. The psalmist waits for God's redemptive power and actions while they endure whatever they are going through in that moment. This waiting is not just about sitting in pain and suffering as a victim or numbing their mind out until it goes away. The waiting does not happen in a space where the heart, mind and soul is shut down. The waiting happens where the psalmist keeps his heart, mind and soul open to all those who are hurting him, to all those that are abusing him, as well as on the side to his Lord God. The psalmist's humble but fervent devotion is waiting on the Lord to rescue him. And the Lord is actually the focus of all the insults, even though the psalmist is actually taking, on, taking the reproach and abuse aimed at himself. The psalmist bears on himself what is meant for God, so that the psalmist becomes the representative figure in both condition and affliction, and in being saved by God. There are many biblical figures that could be identified as the psalmist. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, through Isaiah, when we read Isaiah 53, we have a similar idea. Even Job comes to mind as I read this passage about the person suffering because of their devotion and obedience to God. And if we sit here for a little bit longer, I'm sure you could think of a biblical figure that could be representing the psalmist. Whilst it's not 100% certain that this was written while the Jewish people were in exile, it does have that flavour of being written by a person who is in exile, persecuted by those that are their captors. Although even the nation of Israel persecuted their own when they did not conform to the rules and regulations. For Christians, as we read this psalm, an emerging pattern of the Jesus' cross emerges from the text. Whilst Psalm 69 has not been seen as a prophetic or predictive text of Christ's passion and death, it is not surprising that in some places the psalm was used by those who interpreted the story of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. 
Like the psalmist, Jesus was persecuted, not for being faithless, but for being absolutely, obediently and completely faithful to God. Jesus was rejected by his own, mocked and insulted, receiving bitter treatment at human hands. The familiarity of the psalm in the early church is indicated by the fact that even some of the petitions against the enemies of the Christians were citing the passages in an attempt to explain the rejection of Jesus by the community that surrounded them. We too, in this space and place, come to a church and see the four of us worshipping God and thinking in my, in my heart and mind, where is everyone else? Where is everyone else to sit and abide in Jesus? And yet we must, whether there's one or a hundred or a hundred and fifty people here worshipping, we must continue our devotion no matter what we feel about the difficulty of this time. Our devotion and our prayers are not unheard. As we read in Exodus, in Exodus the, the Lord hears all prayers and will free and release communities when God wants to release and free them. The concluding verse of Psalm 69 also anticipates the joy and promise of new life that came with the resurrection of Jesus. Like other prayers for help, such as Psalms 13, 12 and 31, Psalm 69 finally communicates God's intimate, incarnational involvement with those that are lowly, with those that are oppressed, with those that are like us, the sinners. The juxtaposition of the complaints with the praise creates an image in my mind, of the resurrection times, where we have death and decay, and all of death and decay will be restored into the new Jerusalem, into the new creation that is about to come. The psalmist's lives and the people of God will live in perpetual and painful waiting, just as we do in our perpetual and painful waiting for the Lord's second coming to return to us and bring us a new creation. So sitting in the shoes of the psalmist today is not really a stretch because any one of us here, if we had the literary capacity, would have been able to write that beautiful psalm as well. As we read the psalm, we simultaneously are presented with a joyful assurance and eternal life. Suffering and glory, pain and joy, crucifixion and resurrection are ultimately inseparable realities for us as Christians, as they were for Jesus and his path to the cross. God's sovereignty in this psalm becomes the release of love and compassion by the power of the cross. And we are in a season of Lent. We are in a season where we are asked to think about what we do and how to deepen our relationship, to repent from the things that distract us from the gospel and to return to the gospel itself. Being the suffering servant of Christ makes us vulnerable to others 
And over time, when we continue to make ourselves vulnerable to the slings and arrows of those around us, sometimes our hearts harden and we stop feeling and we stop wanting for people's salvation. The level of vulnerability that we are willing to go to as we disciple in Christ is is an indication of our courage and strength of our faith in Christ Jesus. If your suffering and pain in being a Christian has hardened your heart, can I ask you to think about that again in light of the psalm and return to the gospel idea that suffering and pain are not God's punishment for your life, are not God's punishment for anything that you have done in your life, but are ways to allow your old self to die as we have asked for in baptism, and to allow ourselves to be reborn anew, stronger and better in Christ Jesus. We are never closer to Jesus than when we are in pain and suffering because we seek to obey and understand God's will in our life. And that pain and suffering when we love our neighbours as Jesus has loved us. Let us hold fast to the gospel and continue to keep our hearts open and ourselves vulnerable to the possibility of discipleship, even to those that might want to hurt our hearts. The Lord be with you.